0: Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast. Inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. So when uh, our daughter Abby was 18 years of age, for her birthday, Paul and Rach, uh, uncle, uncle and aunt, bought her a bottle of champagne. It's a really nice present, a really nice bottle of champagne, and they suggested Abby's birthday is in the July, they suggested that why didn't she put the bottle of champagne to one side and save it till she graduated from university because she was going to Sheffield in the September and she thought that's a great idea to sort of have this bottle of champagne that were given for a special birthday that she put to one side to, to use a graduation meal. So that's what she did. And three years passed, Abby went to Sheffield. She got a degree in English at Sheffield and graduation day arrived. And so we went to graduation day. I seem to be sort of buzzing a little bit. I'm sure you can hear that. It's fine. Um, So we went to graduation day and graduation day was great. And we carried the bottle of champagne from Warrington to Sheffield and then around Sheffield for graduation day. And then different People who were with us were looking after the bottle of champagne during the photos with the cap and gown, during the celebration and the the graduation service. And then we carried it across Sheffield, uh, town centre, city centre, to a nice little Italian place where a number of families whose children had graduated were going to have a meal. And I said to the waitress who was coming to serve us, hey, we've got this bottle of champagne. I told her the story I've just told you. I said, would you mind, we're going to buy, you know, some drinks to go on the table, but would you mind if we have our own bottle of champagne? Not a problem at all. We'd love you to have your own bottle of champagne. That's really nice of you. Thank you. So they brought the meal and she said to me, would you like me to open the bottle of champagne? Or would you like to open the bottle of champagne? And I'm so glad I said to her, would you open the bottle of champagne? So she opened the bottle of champagne. The cork hit the roof of the restaurant, and then the champagne hit the roof of the restaurant, and then she panicked. So she then began to rotate with the bottle of the champagne that continued to spray four, five, six tables full of people, drenching them in champagne, leaving us about two to three inches of champagne in this rather large bottle. Lots of slightly frustrated, annoyed, but trying not to be annoyed because you could see it was an accident, diners. I was sat next to her. Dry as a bone. Uh, Everybody is soaked. So she's quite embarrassed, she disappears, and they gave us a bottle of champagne to apologise. I thought it was quite entertaining, to be honest with you. It was a meal that was memorable. We have 21 meals a week, but some in our life just stand out more than others, don't they? They're meals that you remember for the rest of your life. I will never forget the champagne meal in Sheffield. I don't remember what the champagne tastes like at all, but I just remember how great it was to watch it firing around that room at all those people. Jesus says of himself, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you call him a friend of sinners. Jesus we have recorded throughout the Gospels loads of meals that Jesus eats. Food is important and God works as people are eating and drinking. I think people call Jesus a drunkard and a glutton. He was never drunk. Jesus was never drunk and he wasn't a glutton. They also called him a friend of sinners and he picked up that nickname and I think he liked it. They meant it as an insult and he took it as a badge of honour. Yeah, I'm a friend of people who feel they can't get near to God because I'm going to help them to get near to God. And I want to read to you the story of one of those meals. And then I want to tell you at the end of my talk about a meal that you're invited to, if that's okay. So... I'm going to read to you from Luke's Gospel and chapter 7. One of those stories of those incredible meals of Jesus. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. so So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping. Then she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured the perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman was touching him and uh, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. "'One owed them 500 denarii, the other 50. "'A denarii is about a day's wages. "'Neither of them had the money to pay him back, "'so he forgave the debts of them both. "'Which of them do you think loved him the more?' "'Simon replied, I suppose the one with the bigger debt forgiven. "'You've judged correctly,' Jesus answered. "'Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, "'Do you see this woman?' I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. She's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her love has been shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love that story. There seems to be three key characters in that story. I imagine Jesus went with his disciples and there were other guests, but the three characters we see clearly in the story are Simon the Pharisee, the woman whose name we don't know, but we're told she'd lived a sinful life, and Jesus. Only two of those people are absolutely aware of who they are. One of them, not very aware. Simon was a man of standing in his community. He had a reputation to maintain and possibly a reputation he wanted to enhance. Why would he invite Jesus to his house For a meal. I'm going to give you some suggestions of why it's possible. Simon maybe just wanted to embarrass Jesus. That could have been his motivation. He wanted to make him feel awkward, perhaps. Why do I say that? Because when you went to someone's house, The mode of transport of the day was walking or animal on dusty roads. You would wear uh, shoes with quite a firm sole, but like a leather lattice over it. Your feet would be somewhat exposed, dust and dirt and animal droppings. And when you went to someone's house, you didn't sit on a table and chairs like uh, the last supper painting by da Vinci. You just didn't sit like that then. You sat on the floor with your feet to the side. And you leaned on a table called a triclinia, which was U-shaped. So your feet were under the head of the person next to you. Very important that your feet are washed because you took your shoes off and you could have stood in animal dra- droppings. They would be dusty and dirty. Washing feet wasn't just a custom. It was just, it really helped with the meal. Jesus hadn't had his feet washed. When you went into someone's house, it was unusual to be kissed in public. You were usually only kissed as a greeting by family The kiss of greeting when you went into someone's house was saying, it's like you're part of our family. Jesus was not kissed by Simon or anyone from his home. His feet were not washed. Psalm 133 talks about oil being poured over people's head as a sign of unity, of being together. You would anoint someone's head with oil of saying, we're together in this. No anointing. You might think these are just customs that meant nothing. They meant something to people at the time. And if Jesus was the only guest who that wasn't done to, what they're saying is, you're going to be socially awkward because your feet are going to stink. You're not really part of this family and we're not in unity with you, but sit down and eat my food. Imagine going to a meal like that. Maybe. He'd just been overawed by the fact that Jesus was in his house and he forgot. It's like a friend of mine who went to a dinner at Old Trafford before a match once. True story. And his hero, he discovered, was in the room, Bobby Charlton. And all the time the meal's going on, he's thinking, Bobby Charlton, Bobby Charlton, Bobby. And then Bobby Charlton starts to walk towards my friend's table. And in a panic, when he arrives, my friend says to him, great to meet you, Jackie. (laughs) And Bobby said to him, Bobby, son. Bobby and walked off. (laughs) Sometimes you just get overawed by somebody who's really famous. Maybe that was happening. I don't know. Maybe Simon invited Jesus to his home for a meal to raise his own profile by being with someone who was famous, like fame by association. Maybe he genuinely had some questions and he'd invited Jesus along. We don't really know. But when he saw the woman with a questionable reputation come into his home, I I wonder what he thought when she was there. And he sees her approaching Jesus. And Simon thought that Jesus must not be aware of her backstory or he would not let her so close. He really missed the point. It's because Jesus was aware of her backstory that he let her so close. It's because he was aware of her need that he invited her near. Simon was unaware of his own heart condition. It didn't recognize what was happening in his own heart or in the heart of the woman or what was happening with Jesus. He missed it. Simon was was trying to assess Jesus when all the time Jesus was giving Simon an assessment of himself, if only he would see it, and giving him a choice that maybe he's giving to you this morning too, to see things as they really are, and turn to Jesus. That's Simon. Second key character in the story is the woman. Why was she at the meal? Why would a woman who had a city-wide reputation that was not good place herself in such a vulnerable position with so many self-righteous people who would be looking down on her and judging her? Why would she put herself through that? To get to Jesus. She was desperate to get to Jesus. Jesus. She sees, she's in the shadows and she sees what's happening to Jesus. They've not, they've not washed his feet. No one has greeted him as if he's part of the family. No one's anointed his head with oil. And she can't stand it anymore and she steps out of the shadows just behind Jesus. She can't even stand in front of him and she, she stoops down to his feet which are dusty and dirty, remember animal droppings, dust, dirt, sweat, and she begins to weep at his feet, so much so that her tears are washing his feet, and then she takes out perhaps the most expensive item she has, and she pours it out lavishly on Jesus' feet, she doesn't even dare to anoint his head with oil, she's just happy to be at his feet. And she greets him with a kiss, not on the cheek, but on the feet. Her tears are washing his feet. The oil and perfume is washing his feet. And she's saying, you are welcome. I might not be the host in the house, but you're welcome in my life. You see, she was aware of her condition. She knew that she needed forgiveness and acceptance by God. She knew that she needed her life to be changed. She had no confidence in her own ability to do this. She couldn't earn a right standing with God. She needed grace and mercy to forgive her and to change her. God wants us lifted up. He just doesn't want us doing the lifting. So she humbled herself and Jesus lifted her up. When we lift ourselves up, God will humble us. But if we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. Verse 48 tells us that Jesus forgave her. And then verse 50 tells us he gave us something that billions of people on our planet are desperate for. Weren't the stories powerful that we heard this morning of people finding what Jesus gave to this woman? Peace. There are billions of people on our planet looking for peace. I remember someone coming to me once and saying, whenever I come out for prayer, nothing happens. I never fall over. I never have a sense of power or anything like that. All that happens is I have an overwhelming sense of peace that lasts all week. Why don't you just settle for that? Because most of the planet are looking for it. Giving her peace. Jesus wants to give you peace. The third major character in the story is Jesus. He's fully aware of who he is and why he's present. He's aware of his plan for Simon and Simon's needs. He's aware of the woman's situation and what she needs. And he's aware of your life and mine and what we need. Have you ever noticed that Jesus asks loads of questions in the Gospels and it's never because he needs information. He already knows the answer. And he's going to ask Simon a question. I don't know if you noticed it. It was tucked right in the middle of our story. He said to Simon this question Do you see this woman? That's so important. He did not say, Do you see this theological test case? Do you see this project that needs help? Do you see this terrible, awful sinner? He says, Do you see this person? Do you see this woman? Jesus doesn't see projects. Jesus doesn't see test cases and theological debates. He sees people, human beings, who he loves passionately. Do you see this woman? What do you see? A person. And therefore someone of infinite value. And Jesus sees you. Not just what you do. Not just what you think about yourself. Not what other people think about you. Not the inner narrative that tells you you're no good or you'll never get through. Jesus sees you. The real you. And he invites you to be the person he sees that you are. His love offers you a way to live differently. This story is a story about love and forgiveness. We know that from the little parable Jesus tells to Simon about the person who has a little bit of a debt forgiven, someone who has a massive debt forgiven. I want to let you into a secret. We're all in the category of the massive debt forgiven if we receive forgiveness. You see, you and I have a debt that we cannot pay, a debt of sin. There is nothing, no amount of good works will wipe it away. No amount of going to church will wipe it away. No amount of being a nice person will wipe it away. There is nothing we can do to earn God's forgiveness. We have a debt we can't pay. And Jesus gives us a gift we don't deserve, forgiveness. But we need to receive it ourselves. J. John is a, an incredible communicator. Uh, he's an evangelist, and he told this story that Jackie and I were listening to the other day. I thought it was great. He said, Where is Jesus? If your life was a car, where is Jesus? In your car. It's a great story. He said, Some of us were sat in our car and Jesus is outside. He's knocking on the window. Can I get can I get in the car? And maybe that's you. You you know Jesus is there, but he's certainly not in your life. And you, he's, he's, can, can I get in? Can I get? Or do you just have to wait a bit? Jesus, not quite ready. I've got a few questions that I need to. You know, what about? You know, why would a God of love allow suffering in the world and let Liverpool win the Champions League so many times? How can a God of love exist if that happens? Yeah, I've got all these kind of questions that I'm struggling with, and I'm just going to keep you out maybe you're the kind of person who Jesus is in your life, he's just in the boot get in the boot Jesus don't want anybody to see you're in my life just get in the boot Sunday morning Jesus get out the boot, we're at the pyramid come on love you Lord get back in the boot going round the families who don't want us to think I'm a religious not get in the boot Jesus it's missional community I thought missional community was all week but you know what I mean we're just meeting on Wednesday night get out the boot get out the boot did you read the notes? Yeah, I did. Just after tea. And uh, what do you think? No idea what he was talking about. Right, missional community meeting's over. Get back in the boot, Jesus. Are we not going to work? Just get in the boot. I don't want them thinking I'm a Christian at work. Get in the boot. Aren't you going to a party on Friday? Yeah, yeah I am. Stay in the boot. And we get Jesus out the boot now and then. He's in our lives, just in the boot. So said, Jesus isn't in the boot. He's on the back seat. He's in the back seat of my life. He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a passenger in my life. He's there. I love having him around. He's in, and when I look in the mirror, things are going badly. I look back and there's Jesus smiling. Wonderful. Jesus is in the back seat of my life. So no, no, he's not in the back seat. He's in the passenger seat. He's a companion. Jesus is my friend. Me and Jesus have a personal relationship. Just me and him don't need the church. Rubbish. Absolutely. If you believe that, you're just not a Christian. You're not? You can't say, John says, you can't say I love God who I can't see and not love people who you can see. So just come to terms with that. Nobody's perfect. We're all messed up. We will let each other down, but it's an opportunity to grow in grace. That's what Christians do. Oh well, Jesus is just my friend. He's my companion. He sits on the passenger seat of my life. And every now and then we have a little chat. You say, oh, no, no, no. Jesus, Jesus is more to me than that. Jesus is on the driver's seat of my life. He's directing where I go in my life. He's telling me where I need to be going. And that's wonderful. I've just a question for you. Are you a backseat driver? Jesus is driving along the road of your life. Whoa, 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 Jesus, where are you going? Where are we turning? We're, we're going mission. We're going telling people about me. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Jesus, no, you might be in the driving seat, but I never agreed to go and tell other people about you. What are you doing? No, Jesus is in the driving seat of my life. He's in the driving seat. He's driving along. He's driving. Where are you going, Jesus? Where are you going? Forgiveness? You're asking me to forgive people. People who've upset, they've, they've upset me. Do you not know what they've done? you're in the driver's seat of my life and you're taking me down the road of forgiveness. What are you doing, Jesus? You're back in the boot if you carry on. Well, Jesus is in the driver's seat of my life and he's driving along and it's, whoa, 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 Jesus, where are you turning now? Generosity? I gave a pound last month. What do you mean you want me to be generous and give and share and look after people? No, no. Are you a backseat driver? You see, when Jesus is in the driving seat of your life and he really is the driver, and, th- and this isn't my illustration, this is J. John, so I, I wish I'd come up with this, but I hadn't, but it's J. John, so it's great. If Jesus is in the driving seat of your life, what happens is, in your life, there are challenges, there are difficulties, there are problems, because that's being alive. It happens to us all. But you find that joy begins to grow, love begins to grow, peace begins to grow, kindness begins to grow. Galatians calls it the fruit of the Spirit. And here's the thing, if joy is going down, if peace is going down, if patience is going down, if kindness is going down, what's happening is, it's one of those indicator lights on your dashboard that says something's going wrong, you need to sort it out. It's a warning light that says it's time to get Jesus back where he should be. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.